0: get out in the street and we're going back and forth again i'm winning i'm starting to gain momentum and as i'm gaining momentum his brother comes and punches me
1: hard in the back of the head here it comes! Here you're listening to fresh arrow where we tell stories of the legends from the golden era of hip-hop each episode we bring you stories from the pioneers themselves as we dive deep into their lives their struggles and what it was like to be a part of the most popular form of music before it was mainstream i'm your host craig smith Today we take a ride through the life of CL Smooth. With his partner Pete Rock, they mastered the mix of jazz, street, and cool. Their style was one that would be emulated for decades as they made their mark with a classic album and one of hip hop's most notable songs. They reminisce over you. The creation of these timeless works of art wasn't just good music for CL Smooth. They were the culmination of years of finding himself and using his surroundings as influences. One of those influences in particular had a violent beginning and a tragic end. Though the name CL Smooth fits him like a glove, he was born... Corey Penn,
0: October 8th, 1968, in New Rochelle, New York. Living in that town, everybody knows your mom. Everybody knows your grandparents. Everybody knows your uncles, your cousins. You're one of the big families in that small
1: town. In this small town community vibe lived up to the adage, it takes a village to raise a child. My mother was still in high school when I was born. Leaving his grandparents to take care of him
0: and his mom. She was a kid too, so I I assumed my grandparents were taking care of her as well. My grandmother was a pediatric nurse and my grandfather worked in the cleaners as a presser. I wasn't too close to my dad But my fill-in dad was my grandfather.
1: And his grandfather served as not just a dad, but an example of what manhood looked like.
0: It was easy to pick up on his rhythm of being a grandfather and learning off him. He was a different grandfather than me. He was more like something I
1: studied, a specimen. And while he was studying his grandfather, he was simultaneously studying his grandfather's passion for jazz.
0: Everything was an instrument, a flute, a horn, that explained it. And after a while, as you listen to these things when you're little, you begin to hear different instruments talk to you. I think horns talk to me the most. Horns explain like they were talking dialogue to the person. So, whatever um, the artist was playing with the horn, he was actually playing words.
1: To you. And he would pair this experience of listening to the instruments with the cues he would pick up from his grandfather.
0: The way he talked, the way he walked, the way his rhythm was, the way he talked to his friends, it was all jazz orientated with a rhythm, with a flow. Even if he picked up a drink, it was with a flow of jazz. And I picked up on it. And I developed it.
1: Slowly but surely, he would develop his personality based on the example that his grandfather was setting.
0: That was where I recognized him going into a bar and ordering a beer and a shot. And I would go and emulate him and give me a tall glass of Coke and a shot of Coke and just emulate.
1: So jazz wasn't just music. It was a way of life. And the music was all around him. But playing an instrument wasn't necessarily his thing. I
0: tried the saxophone, but later on, maybe um, going through junior high school, but I never had the discipline enough to do it. Like going in the park and playing basketball, I never had the passion to do that. But the music passion was always there. Because you used to have this little contraption that played records on the show and tell the
1: show and tell phono viewer more than 75 show and tell programs for your kids
0: and you put little slides in and you can see little slides and little shows little pictures but it had a phonograph on the top so any records in the house I would play as a little
1: kid on the show and tell and on this show and tell toy is where he would hear the OJ's Marvin Gaye Willie Hutch
0: all of these guys had a Impact and molding these sounds that I was listening to as a little kid.
1: He was completely infatuated by the music and what it made black people do at a
0: party, at a get together, what it made black people feel like and those vibrations I picked up on.
1: And at a certain point, his entire life would change as his mother got married and moved them to Queens. Once I landed in Queens, it
0: just developed into something different. It wasn't any more jazz anymore. It was something different. It was something more aggressive. The air was different. The vibes were different. Taking me from Cold Train to the Furious Five. Don't
2: push me cause I'm close to the edge.
0: It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. I'm so used to being coddled and baby from Nurishel, and then you throw me in this wild jungle. You can literally see the streets are changing before your eyes. You just gotta be around it. But it was me. I was a culture shock because I'm so used to being coddled and baby from Nurishel, and then you throw me in this wild jungle. It was different
1: And it would take time for him to find himself Even though hip-hop was on the rise It still wasn't something that he could participate in So he found entertainment and examples of self-expression When he was locked down on punishment
0: No TV, no radio Then you read you, you you articulate, you go within your imagination, you use your imagination to entertain.
1: And his imagination, coupled with his knowledge of music stemming from his time with his grandfather, contributed to his emerging love of hip-hop.
0: And now adapting to something totally brand new of hip-hop and hearing sucker MCs and hearing F- um, Funky 4 Plus One More and hearing Spoonie G and, and knowing that anything is possible. If you love it, then you can Probably do it.
1: He had developed a love for hip-hop and an understanding for the streets of New York. As he grew into a teenager, he began to identify with the environment all around him, an environment that was causing friction at home. From his mother's perspective, hip-hop was partly to blame.
0: She hated it. She ripped off every post off the wall. It wasn't religious enough. It wasn't godly enough. And these are the reason why I have these young problems, because of this music. So you're not allowed is too rebellious. He's holding his crotch on the wall. It means nothing
1: to me. More and more, the issues would arise and the frustration would become too much. Something had to give. 15 years old,
0: I finally had enough of Queens and I wanted to go back to my roots. And that was New Rochelle.
1: Moving back to New Rochelle brought him back to the place he had come to remember as his true home. So I went back to
0: my grandparents. I wasn't really, getting along with my parents at the time. So I went back to my comfort zone, the people who gave me the most comfort. And that
1: was my grandparents, of course. His grandmother and grandfather gave him the love and guidance that he needed at the time. This likely kept him out of trouble and put him in position to use his love for music. As it turns out, just next to New Rochelle in Mount Vernon, the rest of his life was waiting for him.
0: I got an opportunity to meet all these different people. And within the different people you got to meet, Heavy D, you got to meet Eddie F.
1: One, two,
2: one, two, one, two. I am the overweight lover, MC, Heavy D. This one goes out to my man DJ Eddie F. Trouble T-Roy and my partner G-Wiz. You got to meet Pete Rock. I'ma bring my little cousin, the producer of this joint. His name is DJ Pete Rock, definitely part of one of the family. And you got to meet
0: all the associates and all the characters of the streets of those times. And somewhere, somehow, my musical input Gravitated towards them.
1: And this was in stark contrast to the people he was normally hanging around.
0: I surrounded myself with animals and monsters, and those were the guys I chose to be friends with. I, I just chose the wrong crowd to be around, then be around people who
1: had their right mind, frame of mind to grow. I needed to grow up. And he was fortunate enough to be in Mount Vernon around Heavy D and his friends. Once
0: I saw a taste of what Heavy was doing and how they were doing, I fell in love with it. So I knew right away what I wanted to do at a high school. I wanted to make records. School wasn't important to me other than a high school diploma. I had no interest. I knew what I wanted to do.
1: He knew that his calling was music. His grandfather's commanding presence, the jazz influence, hip hop, being in the streets, and now Heavy D and company were all churning in his mind, creating the reality that he could be himself and be a success. He was indeed on his way to becoming successful, but it wouldn't come without hard lessons, conflict, and reflecting on family. Coming up, young Corey becomes CL Smooth and ventures into the rap gang. And while he's reaching for new heights, a violent altercation, and a very sudden death, inspire a hip-hop masterpiece. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Sun Dobe from Funk DobS. Thanks for tuning in to Fresh Era. Did you know that these guys over at Stupid Fly are doing this strictly out of the love for 90s hip hop culture? If you like what you hear, please do me a favor. Go to stupid-fly.com and pick up some merch to show your support, then follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Stupid Fly Media. Thank you for supporting our community of Golden Era Gladiators. Now head over to stupid-fly.com. <laughs> By the time he was out of high school, CL Smooth, then known as Corey Love, was writing songs and hanging out with Heavy D and his producer Eddie F in Mount Vernon, New York. It almost goes without saying, but Heavy D was a big deal, and young Corey was fortunate enough to be accepted into the fold. He had gone back to his roots, living with his grandfather, who was his role model. His grandfather's impact, coupled with his new outlet of writing music, shaped how he approached the art form, and ultimately, his personality
0: altogether. What I was thinking as a young kid, 16, 18 years old, is that I didn't want to be considered young. I didn't want to be a boy. At 16, I wanted to be a man. And when you said, ah, you're a little kid, or you're young, it offended me. It offended me to the point where it it, it had an impact on my personality. So when I wrote music, I wrote as an old man. I'm copying an old man, but I'm just upgrading it because I'm a young man. And I'm, re- I'm feeding it to young people. But I know I'm ahead of the curve because they don't think like an old soul. And this had an impact on his life almost immediately. So I grew out of my friends real quick. Once you start seeing the world and seeing that I can make money and I can support myself
1: and I can develop. One aspect of his development came as a gift from Heavy D, specifically developing his name.
0: I had to be maybe 20 and have and Big Daddy came when Hev's living room. I'm I'm sitting there with them and just marveling in their greatness of what they're talking about.
1: That's when Heavy D gets an idea.
0: We gotta come up with a name for you. Corey Love is not gonna work. We're gonna we're gonna do something. Maybe CL that sounds good. And you're kinda smooth with it. So maybe CL smooth will do it. And this is what the guy used to do for me.
1: Heavy D gave him a name and also taught him how to play the game and be a professional. Just maintain yourself,
0: maintenance, how you present yourself, getting your nails and your feet done, keeping your teeth clean, uh, getting massages, getting stretched, uh, getting the proper rest, focusing on your craft, wearing less jewelry as possible. And I used to ask him, why you always say wear less jewelry as possible? He said, because When you don't have it on, you look like you look too poor. So when people are used to you wearing that, you got to wear it to bed, you got to wear it to breakfast, you got to wear it over here, you got to wear it over there. Try to wear less jewelry, and then people will accept you for you organically. And I never forgot
1: that. He never forgot the tools that Heavy D gave him, and he also never forgot his first influence, his grandfather. Heavy D gave him the name C.L. Smooth.
0: But the characterization of C.L. Smooth, I got from my grandfather. The way he walks, certainly the way he talks and he delivers words, I emulated him. I I copied him. I copied his mannerisms, his
1: moves. And with the character of C.L. Smooth ready to go, he soon got the opportunity to show his skill.
0: Eddie F. used to get these remixes, you know, because he's a good, he's a great producer and he's a great businessman. So through his networking, through his company, he would get these projects. And these projects would consist of different artists giving him music to remix.
1: One of these remixes was for a young singer named Johnny Gill, one of the members of the legendary R&B group New Edition. They called on Eddie F. to remix the single Rub You the Right Way. And Eddie F. wanted to give CL Smooth the opportunity to show what he was made of. Rub, you, rub, it of your rub it up, your love full of Palm olive bands, baby, do you do
0: dishes? Slick your body down with oil, See smooth, bound to get wrecked. It was my first song being on a record Being literally on a record That was my first introduction
1: to the world And what an introduction Rub You the Right Way hit number 3 on the US Hot 100 And number 1 on the US R&B charts And to say life changed dramatically would be an understatement Not only was he on the charts But because of the success of Rub You the Right Way He was on stage for the first time
0: My first Real public performance was in Madison Square Garden at 20,000 people. And that was my first time ever being on a stage doing anything. And I remember having on this app, and everybody thinking
1: that I was LL Cool J. But regardless what the crowd thought, this was a pivotal moment for CL Smooth. It's sort of like after I did that, I felt like like I
0: kind of belong there. Like, like I'm too young to understand what it is, and I'm I'm mature enough to absorb it and not get overwhelmed by it, but want more of it, but not seem too thirsty to, to be around these
1: guys. He had been exposed to the limelight. He had passion for music and was hungry to make something of it. And around this time, he started to really bond and connect with a producer named Pete Rock.
0: What we had was um a, a, a commonology of listening to old records. Teenagers listening to very old records. He can quote jazz records and you can be familiar with them. That's something in common. So when you have the background I had
1: and the background he has, and you put these two energies together, you know, it's alchemy. And the person who saw this alchemy in action was the producer and businessman Eddie F. And, of course,
0: Eddie F. was the businessman. That recognized and saw the vision, put his money where his mouth is, his time and his effort, and said that there has to come, there has to be something after Heavy D and the Boys. He took his money, put a studio together, took his money and provided uh, studio time, took his money and his gas money, and came and got us when we didn't have cars. So we had like all these demos. 30, 40, 50 demos of music, and then we decided to make these seven songs.
1: They made seven songs that would turn into an EP called All Sold Out. This showcased their collective love for jazz music with Pete Rock's instrumentals, and the balance of being cool and street with CL Smooth's lyrics. Make way for a
2: CL rap on phonograph, no other half cozy like a bubble bath. Never said to be strange when I break and
1: rearrange a week's type of small and change. They had a product that was ready to be delivered to a label, but they had to get a deal first. Luckily, they had been laying a foundation for just that through their connection with Eddie F.
0: You have all these different projects that you're partaking in, being that you're working with Eddie. So Pete is working, I'm working, Eddie's working, and now we're getting a familiarity and building a catalog of things and a platform, and a brand.
1: This brand and the EP All Sold Out caught the attention of Dante Ross at Electra Records. They signed the deal and released All Sold Out in June of 1991. The EP would serve as a way to get Pete Rock and CL Smooth out to the masses before the album. Pete Rock and CL Smooth were buzzing in the streets, and their notoriety would get another boost from Heavy D when he asked them to be a part of a massive posse cut. Pete Rock and CL Smooth would join Cool G Rap, Q-Tip, Big Daddy Kane and Grand Pooba on the song and in the music video for Heavy D single, Don't Curse. Now I'ma get back to the subject, get wrecked. If you think I'm bluffing, just
2: check with the crew, be like a CL smooth, very down to earth,
0: and we didn't have the curse. After that, it was it was totally a a, a 360. And from my neighborhood to Harlem to Brooklyn to Queens. It was a it was a big deal.
1: This was a big deal as his life changed in 1991 for his career and for his personal life.
0: I had my first hundred thousand in 1991. I had everything. To start my first car in 1991. Everything was my first. My first Rolex. My first thing. My first chain. My first bank account. Everything was the first, and it all lined up.
1: But the biggest change at this time was that he had his first son in 1991, and for C.L. Smooth, becoming a father couldn't have come at a better time.
0: I was overwhelmed with the joy of it. I was in love with it. I was I was drunk off of it. I was emotionally unstable off of it. That's how much love and compassion I had for my kid. You know, I, I just, I, I, I don't know what they felt. I just knew that I had to take care of him. I had to. There could, there could be no excuses. I would scrub toilets to take care of this kid. I, I, I just was humbled that I could take care of him and give him whatever he wanted.
1: And with all of these changes came notoriety. Notoriety that at first was hard to wrap his head around.
0: I was in awe. I was in awe that I can get work and get paid for this. Like, you're paying me to do this shit. I I couldn't get over you asking me for my autograph. I couldn't get over it. I I was shy. I was, you know, like, come on, man. Stop stop acting like I'm somebody. After a while, you sound really ignorant doing that. Like, you sound really foolish and ignorant and not up to, you know, like you're in your own bubble. And I kind of was. I wanted to be regular. In the moment, I I wanted to just be Corey that Walks down the block, I just got a lot of money now, but I'm the same
1: guy. He might have been the same guy, but that's not how the world saw him. They saw C.L. Smooth, one half of the dynamic duo cranking out hits, poised to release their debut album. Whether he knew it or not, he was headed into legendary status, and the vision he had for his life as a kid was inevitable. After the break, Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth released their debut album, and we hear the harrowing story behind the immortal single, They Reminisce Over You, when we come back. Yo, what's the deal? You got the black
2: sheep. D-R-E-S. Yes. And I want y'all to know right here, right now, stupid-fly.com is the place to be. Yo, you got hats, you got T-shirts, and all kind of flyness that you can get your hands on. Not only that, you can check out some of the flyest podcasts you've ever heard in your life. And that would be Stupid Fly Media on Instagram and Facebook. Why? Because they stupid fly. All right?
1: Welcome back. C.L. Smooth and his producer partner Pete Rock had branded themselves with their jazzy, edgy, down-to-earth style and secured a record deal. After a successful EP on Elektra Records, they went to work on their highly anticipated debut album. C.L. Smooth knew that this was his moment to fulfill his destiny, and he had a lot to contribute. So much that he would develop personalities to match the different styles and subjects he would deliver.
0: The Mecca Don, the Carmel King, El Presidente, these different characters that are in me. When I look at myself, I look at myself as not shallow. It's layers of
1: And with those layers to his personality, he saw the opportunity to remedy something that he had lived with for a long time.
0: I wanted to be bigger than the street. I wanted to be bigger than what that had to offer. My delivery wasn't tough. I already was tough by then. I already, my friends were too tough. They were too tough. They needed to tone it down, that's how tough they were. So I wasn't coming into the music industry to be tough. I solely came in it to be peaceful, to change the climate of what I came from, to give it some jazz. And if I can have some rhythm to it and jazz my way through it, then it's better than getting shot. It's better than having conflict. It's better than going somewhere and can't be comfortable. I wanted to be universal. I wanted to go everywhere and be with everybody and have everybody have a chance to understand and walk my bridge and my platform.
1: He was using his lyrics to communicate his story to the world, and he knew that if he opened up with honesty, everyone could relate. The most famous example of this was the lead single from their first album. They reminisce over you. I reminisce for a spell, or shall I say, think back yeah. 22 years ago to keep it on track. The birth of a
2: child on the 8th of October. A toast but my granddaddy came sober.
0: I think this song is just basically like a short autobiography of my life at 22, 24 years old. Who am I? What am I? When this is all over, what are they going to talk about? And I had to dig in myself, and it wasn't too hard to dig in myself because. I knew it was all about family. So this was this portrayal of letting the world know where I came from, who brought me into this world, what were my challenges, what was my black plight. I didn't show them the good side of it. I showed them the flawed side of my family to give it realness. My mama got pregnant in high school, my grandfather like the sip of the hand, man. This is all true things that people at that time in hip hop weren't really talking about at all. And then going to Troy, the indifferences that we had, and the story that came behind that.
1: Troy was Trouble T-Roy, one of the members of Heavy D and the Boys. In 1990, Trouble T-Roy tragically died when he was killed by an accidental fall after a concert. Pete Rock and CL Smooth named this song, They Reminisce Over You, as a tribute to Troy. In the song, he briefly describes their first encounter.
2: t R-O-Y, how you and I meet in front of Big
1: fighting in the street? But to understand the depth of these lyrics and how far the two had come, it's important to get a glimpse at the history of their first encounter, way back in high school. And just a fair warning for listeners, we are going to describe a violent fight.
0: I remember me coming off of the bus and I had summer school. Third Street was live. I get out there, can't wait to get out there after school. So I got my backpack on with my school stuff on. And I see this car pull up. And I see these guys get out dress nice, the guys dress nice and me. I see women following them.
1: This is trouble T-Roy and
0: his friends. I'm not paying any attention. I'm looking like everybody else, but I'm not really paying attention. I'm only paying attention when two guys stop and just keep looking at me. And they're, they're negotiating with my other friend.
1: They're negotiating because T-Roy has a problem with Corey Love, likely over a girl, and he wants to fight. So,
0: you know, I guess they make a deal and he comes over, but he doesn't come over by himself. He comes over to me, but there's like six other guys jumping on me.
1: A violent fight ensued. So
0: they're winning. They're they, got, they got me. So they're smashing me up. So my friends are pulling them off one at a time. You said that you were going to do the one-on-one thing. And they were like, we came here to do a job. Remember, my name was Corey Love. And then there was Crow Love. And Crow Love was like the leader. So he got him up off.
1: And Crow Love was going to make sure Corey Love got his chance to fight.
0: And he says, get out there and handle your business, but do what you do. So I get out in the street and we're going back and forth again. I'm winning. I'm starting to gain momentum. And as I'm gaining momentum, his brother
1: comes and punches me hard in the back of the head. This likely gives young Corey a concussion. His friends break up the fight. So now my friend Crow says, Don't jump in it, let them handle their business.
0: So we do it again. I got him again. His brother hits me in the head again, hard. So now my friend says, Did not tell you, don't jump in, and hits his brother. He just dropped like that, and his head hit the ground in the and he starts shaking, and the blood start coming out, and we just took off like little kids, and that's how it stopped. Maybe after a week or two, I come outside, and I'm walking down Third Street, and a car, a truck pull ups on him and his head. He says, "Get in," but I'm not, to, you know, I'm not. I don't want to get in there.
1: But Heavy D insists. So we got in the car,
0: and I turned around, and Troy was in the back seat and I looked at Hev. He said, don't look at me like that. I'm mad at him. He had no reason to go over to you and approach you
1: with nothing. Heavy D's mission was to play peacemaker between the two of them.
0: We get to the studio. We make up. I mean, we really made up. And when Troy died, it it was a shock. And I'm so grateful for him for being my friend. And I can honestly say that we are friends
1: many time to see. I dedicate this to you for believing in me. They Reminisce Over You was released in April of 1992. Setting up Pete Rock and CL Smooth's debut album, Mecca and the Soul Brother. The album was released in June of 1992 to critical acclaim, and the duo only got more popular. They started making appearances on soundtracks, including Minister Society, with their song Death Becomes You. And the soundtrack for the blockbuster hit Poetic Justice, with their song One in a Million. One in a Million energetic
2: and rhymes that I'm dry.
1: More and more people started to hear the music and notice them not just for their tracks, but for their style. They appeared in a magazine ad for Carl Canai that would make them visible all around the nation. The Carl Canai is what put us where we needed to be for the
0: culture and the look of a group. And the Carl Canai ad was major for us. It expanded us in the country as not just a, a hometown
1: group, for a local poop that made us an international. Then, just before they released their sophomore album, they were approached to be a part of a huge campaign for Sprite along with Grand Pooba called Obey Your Thirst. What? It's the Mecca though, never swerving
2: untitled uh, Knowing commercial rap needs to whoo! be recycled uh, yeah. Collecting cans for Nick's picks, my
1: latest LP Now obey my thirst, son, Got sleep. them. This campaign would run in every household in America Pete Rock and CL Smooth were big time. On
0: TV, everywhere, on every show, the NBA playoffs, the
1: NBA finals, the Super Bowl. And this whole time, they have been recording their sophomore album, The Main Ingredient. And this album for CL Smooth was a little different.
0: I wanted to come with something totally different. And I needed it because I wasn't pouring. And I wanted to be mature. And it had to be about mature. Maturity and my favorite topic would be
1: women. The lead single for this second album was I Gotta Love. Feel the vibe when it's bumping in my trap. Steps the good fellas live on screen. Now you protect the black queen, taking my time from the black on black crime. Cause the night mega hits, Victoria runs out of secrets. And during the process of coming up with this second album, he got more help from Heavy D, who could guide him through the process of writing an album while you're already successful and
0: i stuck with hav and i hung around hav and we came up with some good music he helped me write helped me redirect my my thinking and get accustomed to having money and writing instead of like you know dying out cuz you you're not hungry anymore
1: P. Rock and C.L. Smooth released their second album, The Main Ingredient, in November of 1994. Then, a year later in 1995, at the height of their success, the duo announced that they would be splitting up, citing creative differences. And C.L. Smooth took some time off. Because
0: I needed to know where I'm going in life and what's more important to me. Okay, I can make money, I can chase it, I can be where I want to be, but is that really what I feel? My life was too chaotic enough I'm not married and I need to raise these kids and if I don't take time out to do it it's not gonna
1: get done C.L. Smooth definitely knew the impact of being present in a child's life if it wasn't for his grandfather it's really likely that C.L. Smooth wouldn't exist and that power that his grandfather had to influence him is something he's keenly aware of if he was a boxer I would be shadow boxing
0: if he was a basketball player I'd be dribbling If he was a football player, I'd be
1: throwing it.
0: Can't blame me for for, for people being an inspiration to you.
1: If it was his mom, his grandfather, Heavy D, Trouble T-Roy, Queens, New Rochelle, he found inspiration everywhere he went. And his contribution to hip hop has inspired generations. The song They Reminisce Over You is widely considered one of the best hip hop songs ever created. And the legacy of Pete Rock and CL Smooth is still alive all around the world. Fresh Era is a Stupid Fly production. Written and edited by me, Greg Smith. And made great by the amazing DJ Cheap Shot. Chris Barnett makes magic happen. Sean Berman is our mix engineer. Music by The Math Club. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen. Be sure to share this episode with a friend because the greatest gift you can give us is sharing these stories with someone you know will love them. Follow us on Instagram at Fresh Era Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode of Fresh Era. Look around. You can find
2: cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too.